Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 15 of the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we got another great episode lined up for you this week. We are going to be talking to two members of the band Rollins Cross. We speak to Ian McKinnon and Dave Panting, all about their East Coast Music Award nomination, their careers as a whole, as well as their new album, Sunrise, which was released last year. We'll get to that interview right after this week's new found releases. And we're going to kick off with a, an artist that you may be pretty familiar with, with songs such as No Second Chances, One of These Days, No Place Like Home, and One Human Race. Damien Follett. He has taken on a new country direction for his music, and he's released singles uh, under that uh, country direction, such as One Human Race, which I just mentioned, Down Here, and this brand new tune, which you'll hear on radio uh, over the next couple of weeks or so. So um, he said to dominate in that front, so uh, Damien, best of luck on your country journey, my friend. You'll do fantastic. And uh, you'll do fantastic with songs like this. Here's Best Ex-Girlfriend on newfound releases as part of Musical Connections podcast. Do you remember Friday nights and football games? Saturdays, all those campfires by the lake. After all these years, I just want you to know you were amazing and I was a fool to let you go. Remember how we drove around with the headlights off Down a back road real slow, you were scared in the dark We used to pull over, watch the stars in the southern sky And the way it all ended, sometimes I wonder why Cause you were my best ex-girlfriend You're the only one that I wish it didn't have to end You were my best ex-girlfriend Sometimes I wish we could do it all over again Girl, I heard that you got married, but it all went wrong Well, my life kind of played out like a country song you know, one of these days I might come back to this town Might even look you up, girl, see if you're still around That's right Cause you were my best ex-girlfriend You're the only one that I wish it didn't have to end You were my best ex-girlfriend Yes, sometimes I wish we could do it all over again Come on now you will where we'll all end up hey only time will tell sweet memories ain't ever gonna fade away and I'll always smile when I think about those days cause you were my best ex-girlfriend you're the only one that I wish it didn't have to end 
sometimes I wish we could do it all over again Girl, sometimes I wish we could do it all over again Cause you were my best ex-girlfriend I mean, with tracks like that, how are you not gonna succeed in country? Damien followed there for you on newfound releases with Best Ex-Girlfriend. And now we are going to go to St. John's-based artist Bruce Mate. And uh, he sent me a uh, great message here, uh, as of course I asked for newfound releases, to be sent to musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com. The message he sent me was, I appreciate you researching and showcasing music in this province, and it means a lot to people like him that really are just trying to get their music out there to the public and really on like a wider scale. And uh, I'm happy I get to do that, Bruce. So thank you for sending this along. And uh, the song we, he sent me is his Flexing Freestyle. Here it is now on Newfound Releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Yeah, 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 I was fessing on them two times If they stressing, I'm finessing with a peace sign I was in the coop, moving like I'm too fine I'm a 20 out of 10, I need two dimes I'm getting bread with my team Used to get a ticket, now it's free Used to be a loser, I'm a G They try to love me down, I got the key She try to play me, I'm an NPC I'm getting wavy on the MP3 I drop a song in this fucking heat It's never wrong when you write a history I'm moving cold, yeah, too cold I lost my soul, moving too slow I was number one on Sella Crucial Always be the best, that's my usual Yeah, 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 I was fessing on them two times If they stressing, I'm finessing with a peace sign I was in the coupe, moving like I'm too fine I'm a 20 out of 10, I need two dimes I'm getting bread with my team Used to get a ticket, now it's free Used to be a loser, I'm a G They try to let me down, I got the key Say I'm going hard, I might do this shit again I'm these rappers' father, look, I'm raising ten I'm switching up the flow, you might think I'm different then I'm switching up the clothes, you might think I'm different men Too slow when they bite my shit You know I make hits, I don't miss Two chains and they all my wish it rains when I talk like this Yeah, 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 I was fessing on them two times If they stressing, I'm finessing with a peace sign I was in the coupe, moving like I'm too fine I'm a 20 out of 10, I need two dimes I'm getting bread with my team Used to get a ticket, now it's free Used to be a loser, I'm a G They try to love me down, I got the key Some Bruce Meat for you on newfound releases. That is the Flexing Freestyle. And now we're going to go to a few songs from the RPM Challenge, which uh, was over the course of February. And we're going to start with Jacob Cherwick's RPM release this year, The Crevice. Right now, here's a tune from that record. This is Valley of Flies on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast.
great tune there from Jacob Cherbrick's project, The Crevice. That is Valley of Flies. And we are now going to go to Kelly McMichael's project with John Moran, Tiny Keys. It's a great synth pop project that they put out um, last week. And uh, here's one of those tracks right now, which they say is their favorite track from the record. This is Double Up on Mustard on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Great song there from Tiny Keys. That is Double Up on Mustard. And we are going to wrap up this week's newfound releases with a brand new band under the direction of Hurricane Music. It is a group called Nerve Shack. Their debut single is uh, called Yellow Teeth. We'll get to that in a moment. But the group consists of Ryan Kelly, Oliver Quinton, and Aiden Osmond. And uh, they are set to release their uh, debut album coming out in the next couple of months. And if this song is any indication of what's to come... I'm looking forward to the full album. Right now, here's their debut single from Nerve Shack. This is Yellow Teeth on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast.
right, let's get to this week's conversation here on Musical Connections. We are next to connect with two members of the band, Rollins Cross. They formed in 1988 here in St. John's. It was formed by the Panting Brothers, Dave and Jeff, along with Nova Scotia-based artist Ian McKinnon. Now, um, they've been on to go now for 33 years, and their uh, most recent album, Sunrise, which was released last year, was up for Folk Recording of the Year. We talk about the process of recording that album, plus some of their favorite shows they've ever played, and we're also going to talk about their uh, debut album, which uh, spawned a very successful music video, and uh, their decision to add Joey Kitson to the band, which established that classic Rollins Cross lineup we have associated ourselves with since 1993. All that and so much more. Here's my conversation with Dave Panting and Ian McKinnon of Rollins Cross. Alrighty, welcome back to the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and this Celtic rock group is up for an East Coast Music Award this year. They formed in late 1988. And their name comes from the intersection in St. John's, Newfoundland. And uh, where I'm too, it's actually just down the road. The band was formed back in 1988 by brothers Dave and Jeff Panting, along with Ian McKinnon from Nova Scotia. Many albums later, they're celebrating 33 years as a band, and they are capping it off with an East Coast Music Award nomination. Joining me right now are uh, two members of the band, and uh, we're going to be on this for about a couple of minutes because uh, one of the members now is in Portugal, and that one is Ian McKinnon. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks very much, Zach. Good to be with you. And uh, the second member is on the line, but he's here in uh, St. John's uh, dealing with the cold temperatures. Dave Panting. Dave, how are you, brother? Oh, pretty good, Zach. How was your health? <laughs> I am doing pretty good. Um, well, uh... <laughs> We've been dealing with a cold snap here in Newfoundland uh, for the past uh, few weeks or so. So I'm kind of envious that uh, Ian's in Portugal right now dealing with uh, warmer temperatures, I would say. But uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's about 15 degrees, sunny, and uh, yeah, just, oh just gorgeous here. Just cut in from Milwaukee. Yeah, it's, 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 any of your listeners haven't been to Lisbon, it's definitely a place, a place uh, worth coming to. It's, it's an amazing city. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'd imagine uh, the band uh, has toured uh, all over the world over those 33 years you guys have been uh, playing together. But uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, How are things in your world right now? Uh, Because you guys uh, just released an album last year, uh, Sunrise, which is up for an East Coast Music Award. Um, How are things in your world right now, uh, guys? Uh, Whoever wants to take it first. Go ahead, Um, yeah, how are things? Things are, things are good. We, um, we released this, you know, due to the COVID situation. Um, obviously all of our, our plans for recording and, and, uh, and touring were put on hold for a better part of a couple of years. Um, but we finally, uh, when the, you know, we, we saw a, a, a break in the, um, the COVID action, we, we decided to go ahead and release um, a recording. It's the, the Sunrise recording, our 11th. And, uh, and when we, we did a tour in fall um, across Atlantic Canada, finishing at uh, a show at Holy Heart in St. John's, which was a fabulous night. Um, and so we did nine, nine dates in that tour. And other than that, we uh, actually almost well, within a couple of days of that, our drummer Howie Selwood headed off to the Vietnam, and he's still there now. 
So uh, we'll be reuniting our uh, ECMA weekend, and then we've got some other dates around the Maritimes and some festivals this summer. So, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's, we're looking forward to, we always, you know, enjoy sharing the stage with each other, and so looking forward to that one in the spring. That's wonderful. You want to add any, anything there, Dave? Pardon me? Well, yeah, just to say that it was great to do that record in the middle of the, you know, the big old COVID uh, business there. But uh, we had a friend who had owned a golf course in uh, Mount Uniac in Nova Scotia. So we set up in there, and I'm proud to say that just uh, the record was pretty much done entirely in-house, except for the final mastering there. So in other words, my brother, Jeff Engineer, and I produced, and everyone really in the band pitched in and uh, did various ends of the logistics and so on. So I'm quite proud of that fact. That's wonderful. Now, um, you are up for an East Coast Music Award this year. I believe it's for uh, Traditional Roots Album of the Year. I may be wrong in that, but Traditional Roots Album of the Year, I believe, is what, or Folk Album of the Year. Hold yeah, on. I think con- Contemporary, Contemporary Roots Album, I think, was the category, but yeah. Close. <laughs> but yeah, um, this deep into your career, you've been at this for quite a long time. How does it feel to receive an East Coast Musical Award uh, this deep into your careers? Well, I mean, it feels ahead, obviously good, you know. Um, nice to be, uh, you know, nice to be still recognized. Uh, you know, we're still pointing out new things and writing new things and doing new records. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm quite happy about it. But it'd be nice to go to the ECME and, you know, commiserate with some old friends and, you know, make some new friends, hopefully. <laughs> That's wonderful. And when it comes to East Coast music, and especially coming out of that 1990s boom, where, you know, the McIsaacs and the Rankin family, Great Big C and the Irish Descendants and yourselves really emerged out of that scene and became household names, um, it's good to see that you guys are still going strong today. Go ahead. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it it, uh, it it feels good. Um, you know, one of one of the great things about music is that you know, unlike you know some professions, even the performing arts like dance, you know, you're you hit your mid thirties, forty years old, and if you're if you're a dancer and you really gotta you gotta hang up the, the dance slippers. Um, but in our case, as musicians, um, you know, we're thirty some odd years later, and we're we're still playing very well together, um, and uh, everyone's everyone's as individual musicians still, you know, playing um, playing extremely well. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's great. It's it's very cool to be able to to walk on stage and share a stage with the guys in the own cross now, a little grayer than when we started back in the late '80s, of course. But um, yeah, still a uh, a really fine group of people. Yeah, 1988 is when you guys formed. Um, of course, it's formed by uh, Dave uh, and Jeff Panting and yourself, Ian. And um, you added Pamela Patton and Lauren Taylor to your group in that time as well. Um, but I want to explore more about uh, how you guys uh, first got together and uh, started Rollins Cross. So I'll throw this out to uh, you, Dave, on this one. Uh, how did you guys uh, form Rollins Cross? Because, uh, Dave, you yourself, you played in, like, a... Uh, many bands over your career. I mean, of course, uh, you were just off Figgy Duff, or I believe you were in Figgy Duff at the time, or out of the Figgy Duff, but anyways. Oh, no, I was one of the, you know, I was on in Figgy Duff fairly early on in the game, around 1974. Uh, you know, I was only still a teenager when I joined uh, with the and so on. 
Alan uh, Morgan and that. But uh, yeah, that's for Rawls Cross. I mean, uh, Ian came to study at Memorial, uh, do folklore Memorial in uh, 1985, and we had wow. a house party for. Yeah, me and McNeil's band uh, were playing at the fishing area when Rita was still doing the bars. Anyway, there was a lot of people from Nova Scotia at the party, so you know, I met at this party just having a jam. And I had a couple of songs that I wanted to try backpipes on, and he had turned out to be a, to make a long story short, he turned out to be a great backpiper, and uh, he came and did the session with me. And uh, it kind of built from there. We started out myself and Jeff and Ian kind of playing as a trio, doing, you know, traditional, more traditional stuff. And then we started doing some originals and covers and added uh, bass and drums and so on, and uh, just kind of grew from there, you know? Yeah, and uh, Ian, I'll go to you next, because um, what really defines the Rollins Cross sound are those bagpipes. You're a mean whistle player as well, but um, why did you decide to bring bagpipes into Rollins Cross? Well, it wasn't really my idea. It was, it was Dave's idea. David, uh, um, I, you know, I, for one thing, I, I mean, I was, I was very interested in, uh, in experimenting music in those early years with with other musicians. Um, there were a lot of groups in Scotland and Ireland that were um, fusing um, traditional instruments like the bagpipes, both the, the Highland bagpipes, like groups like the Tenniel Weavers, the Battlefield Band in Scotland, and then there were a lot of, a lot of groups in Ireland that were doing similar things with, uh, with the Illin pipes, the uh, traditional Irish pipes. So I, I was really, uh, you know, when Dave... Um, had uh, approached me in those early years about about getting together and, and starting to do some some playing together. I was really keen, and uh, so it kind of built from there. It was really there. There was a moment we were you know we were doing a lot of you know covers, and um, but there, there was a time I think Jeff in particular really kind of pushed things forward with his brother and said you know we we really need to start for you do something with this group. We need to start um, recording and performing our own music. And it was around that time that we uh, we added a rhythm section to the group. And then, uh, you know, eventually uh, Joey Kitson came in as, uh, you know, as a, as a lead vocalist. So it was, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It was something that over the course of several years really um, experimenting and playing at places in St. John's like uh, old Rad House and Rad House Hall of Bridges, yeah, Bridges Pub, uh, you know, down on you know, down on Lord Street. But just, you know, over yeah. time, yeah, over time, uh, you know, the, the band's music um, really came together, the arrangements, and uh, so yeah, it's you know, it was it was a real. It was, it was a transition really over a period of time. Yeah, um, so let's go to 1989. The very first album Rollins Cross put out was A Turn of the Wheel. Now, of course, uh, the principal songwriters mm-hmm. of this group are uh, the Panting Brothers, of course, Dave and uh, Jeff. And uh, that's uh, the album in 1989 spawned a really uh, great single called Colleen that Dave wrote. It came out to great success and he recorded it in uh, CBC Studio F in St. John's, while uh, the rest of your albums were recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, how important was that very first album, uh, Dave, to uh, define that Rollins Cross sound? Well, it's a funny, funny one there because we had come up with this uh, 
sound sort of during our rehearsals. I think there was, you know, there was those moments when you realize that uh, just to, to get, not to get too technical, but a lot of people when they were working with backpacks, you tend to get, you know, you have uh, your, your guitars and tunings and so on, and you're using a lot of drones and a lot of, and we realized that maybe sometimes you used, especially with electric stuff, if you use more percussive stuff, almost like reggae style things that it really seemed to clear the sound up and you're really able to hear the separate parts. It was a different way of approaching that particular mm-hmm. uh, sound, folk rock thing. Uh, but I think that first album, just to make a long story short, I, I guess it, it was uh, the first time we, we put the, that the ideas came to fruition on, on record. It's okay. Basically, it's an electric band with bagpipes and we're doing original songs. And, you know, it was the genesis of the sound, really. They had sort of coalescing on that first record, even though we've gone on to do, you know, much more complex records and recording music. That first record still is the basic idea, is there, you know. So I guess that's that's what it comes down to. That's awesome. Uh, And you actually uh, did a music video for that here in St. John's. and there's some very notable faces in there, just from uh, you know what I've seen on comments <laughs> on Facebook. I think Rick Mercer was in that yeah. video, but um, I want to explore that uh, more, Dave. And uh, if you, Ian, you want to jump in as well, um, who are some of those faces that were involved in that uh, first music video you guys put out? Well, I mean, basically, I went down Water and Ducker Street and I recruited every character and representative I could find, and. <laughs> Got them down with the down to the uh, the loft at the time, Haymarket Square, there on that Dupper Street, and uh, that was uh, we rented that venue and uh, went in and recorded what should have been probably a two or three day shooting. One very hectic day. My parents are in the video, and oh my god, I'm like, oh wow, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't with us anymore, and you know, just it's quite something to watch, actually. You know, members of Godfather. Rick, yeah, Rick Mercer makes a uh, makes an early appearance. It was you know before he uh, shot up to uh, to start him, but well before uh, started him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we have you know, all kinds of all kinds of folks in there actually. So pretty pretty uh, interesting day, to say the least. And it was great for me yeah. because I directed the thing, but I uh, you know was sure of the director. Not really the you know Steven Spielberg, you know, but it was a, it was a learning curve, but it was great. It was a great day. I remember it being a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Nigel Martin was, you know, he was he was there to do that. Thank God to do the camera work, and uh, he was very. We just went with the flow, you know. We were coming up with these sort of you know goofy ideas to do, you know. And, you know, he was just we'd set up and he'd build it. <laughs> that's wonderful mm-hmm. and um it really went to some great success now um let's head over to 1992 um 92 93 of course uh, dave you took lead vocals for the first uh, couple of albums but it was 1993 uh the, during the recording of reel and roll that you uh or actually uh i was wrong on that it was only two albums i turned the wheel and crossing the border but um, in 1993, yeah. before Reel and Roll uh, was released, you decided to add uh, vocalist Joey Kitson from PEI to your group. Because um, Dave, you took on lead... that again. yeah, yeah, because yeah, Dave, you took on lead vocals for yeah, the first sure. yeah. two albums, and um, so why made you decide to add a, a lead vocalist uh, like your third album in uh, this deep into your career so far? What what made you decide to add uh, Joey Kitson in particular? Well, 
Yeah. Well, um, we, we were, I guess, as a group, just kind of, Dave had been handling the lead vocals, as you mentioned, and, and Dave is a good vocalist. So, you know, we're, we're thinking, what about, what if we were to add, you know, someone who's, for, for, for one thing, a dedicated vocalist, and someone who's just, you know, awesome and distinctive. And, and uh, so we were actually on the tourism cruise down to uh, the United States, um, representing uh, Atlantic Canada Tourism, and Joey, uh, who's from PEI, was on this particular cruise representing PEI, and uh, just stunned not only ourselves but everyone else on on the cruise with his uh, his talent. So we had a chat, and and uh, you know decided to approach him about about joining the band, and, uh, and he was, the timing was good for him, so he was. It's pretty keen, and um, so we, uh, yeah, he joined joined the band, and then we uh, we recorded Real and Roll, the the album Real and Roll. Um, after that, yeah, and that was really your album that really solidified you then, like as a really tight and a very good Celtic rock band. Because uh, Joey Kitson, I think, was a really good move there because. Uh, he has a really distinct sound that really said, okay, when you hear a song from, uh, when you hear Reel and Roll, when you hear, say, uh, Colleen, because yeah. uh, you guys re-recorded that for Reel and Roll, you know that's Rollins Cross. Now, um, how important was that addition to a defining, uh, or really, you know, establishing that sound now, as, as especially you well, know, now five years deep into uh, your careers? Well, I think that's the time. Bringing Joey in, one thing he did is Jeff and I were kind of writing uh, more members of the band, including Joey, are contributing now to the writing, but uh, um, it unified the songs. It gave all the songs one voice. You know what I mean? You know, totally, as you just said, like Joe was, you know, the recognizable voice of, of Ron Cross. And, you know, he's a great singer and he's a great guy. So, you know, it was good. I was, you know, it actually wasn't much of a jump for me. It made total sense, uh, you know, and, and we all liked it and we admired it. So we thought, well, you know, it's got to be a win situation, really. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's go to 1996 for a moment because uh, you released Living River that year and you managed to garner two Juno Award nominations. Now, Junos from Newfoundland and Labrador were, like, very big at the time. I mean, you got Great Big C and the Irish Descendants getting Juno nominations themselves as well. And um, you uh, also signed a, a licensing deal with Warner Music for uh, to be released out in Europe. Uh, 1996 was a pretty big year for you guys, so uh, tell me a little bit about um, that album and uh, how it felt to get uh, Juno nominations uh, for that album. Well, it was, a, it was a big time, a very heady time for the band and for the whole East Coast music industry at the time. Um, you know, the... the uh, the, the, I, I like to call them the star, the, the eye of Mordor, the music industry <laughs> in Toronto. They're thinking, oh, we can make some money with these guys. Um, yeah. And so we, uh, yeah, the Warner had appropriate already at that point, uh, we released Real and Roll, and um, it was getting a lot of airplay selling a lot of CDs, and so uh, at the time, I had been, um, my company, Groundswell, I've always, not always, but most, most of the band's history, I've been handling the, uh, the business aspects of the band, 
uh, including we were doing grants on music, was doing distri- uh, distribution, which was a pain in the butt. I really wanted to get out of it. Um, and so the opportunity came up. Warner, um, we sat down with them and they offered um, a deal uh, to, uh, to grant my label Groundswell to do distribution and marketing for us. And then only for uh, for Rollins Cross, but for, for other artists as well that we had coming out um, on our label, and that that relationship was a great one and lasted for many many years. Um, and um, yeah, so it was you know it just meant that everything was then amplified across across Canada, and uh, the the marketing we had publicists and you know full time booking agents. Um, were working with us as well, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a very exciting time for the band. Lots of opportunities. We're very busy, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a great time. It was kind of the, the you know that period through the nineteen nineties with Real and Roll and the, the subsequent record uh, Living River, which is actually I, I think is a favorite among most of the members of Rollins Cross. Living River was was done it was beautifully. Uh, crafted record, if I do say so. Okay, nice. So, uh, yeah, good time. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, as Ian said, uh, because uh, he's funny enough, because uh, he's in Portugal uh, at this time, so uh, kind of jealous the fact that um, I'm kind of jealous of the fact that um, he's in warmer temperatures than what you and I have been dealing with over the past few weeks here, Dave. <laughs> Just a little, probably. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But um, we talk about global uh, uh, touring uh, because uh, around that same time in the 90s, you guys played gigs in Germany. So you played in the St. Patrick's Day Celebration Festival in Germany. You also represented Canada at the Expo Cumbre de las America in Chile. And you also uh, played uh, at the Canada Day Celebrations around that time as well. It was around that time that you guys really were uh, like killing it on the touring scene. So uh, what were those kind of tours like in Germany and Chile? Uh to play for uh, people that, you know, are not really familiar with uh, Newfoundland Labrador Trad. Well, we got this, uh, but we did three of these tours actually in Ireland, the Irish Festival Tour run by Magnetic Music, Magnetic Theater Handler. Um, and that's a tour with several Irish and English musicians, British musicians on that one. Uh, Germany's a great place to tour because it has, you know, it's basically mostly Canada in terms of, it has a really good infrastructure, I mean, a better transfer. You've got, I don't know how many people are in Germany these days, let's say 90 million, or, you know, at that time, about 85 million people in a, in a place the size of New Brunswick. Oh, wow. So, you know, so access, you have huge cities very close together. So, I mean, it's not like, not that you don't do a drive in mind you, but not the old 14-hour drive through, you know, to play for 200 people that you're going to be doing in northern Canada, you know. So, uh that was in that way is a great place to tour. Uh, I found their, they conducted their business very uh, efficiently and very well. So I had good things. I have good memories of it. And uh, no, I mean, overall it was great in the crowds. Uh, but there's there's a big Irish uh, fan base in in, uh, in Germany. I mean, there's enough of a population, three times the median population, let's say, loosely, you know. So if they lit something, I mean, it lit huge metal fans, for instance. I mean, there's bands playing out of the guys like Uriah Heap and still playing over there. And these British rock bands are, you know, still able to tour there and, and 
you know, make good money. But uh, and they're fanatical fans, uh, almost like the Japanese or something. You know, if they like if they like the style of music, I mean, they, they come out in droves and uh, they just you know they buy a product and you know the whole thing. So you know, I, I certainly that was a good experience. And as for Chile, Chile was just a one-off thing. Uh, it was like the, uh, the summit at the time uh, with the of the um, Americas, um, South and North America, summit of the Americas, basically. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, you had, and we were representing Canada's entertainment. That was representing Canada. There's people like we played in a hall. Uh, Herbie Hancock was on the bill with. Um, uh, you know, from the United States and so on, stuff like that. But we played in this large, almost like a train station kind of place, huge place, and um, for several thousand people. And it was uh, really amazing. Like, even though it wasn't in English, the concert, uh, they just took the music. Like, South America's got a great reputation for, and produces, of course, some of the most wonderful music, you know, you'll ever want to hear. And uh, they love music, and they just responded to it. It was, it was actually a great concert. I, I remember it as being a transcendent experience, actually. It was, it was quite something. <laughs> and uh, this little fellow, this little young boy, a small, small boy, came up on the stage, sat next to me, for the whole thing, stuff like that. It was kind of very loose, you know? It was like, you know... Yeah, it was you know a, a bit different from what you might get. Not that that would never happen here, but it was just nice, nice things like that happening. You know, exactly. He was just interested. So he dig in, park himself, you know, sort of under a drum riser, and you know, just clock and go. Nobody said and you know, it was great. You know, so yeah, yeah. for sure. Now, um, 1998 was your very last album uh, at the time before you guys reformed in '08. Uh, because uh, uh, 1988 was making on time, and you guys would uh, end up uh, going your separate ways in 2001 for the first time. Um, uh, what was the what? Uh, why did you Why did you guys decide to uh, split up in uh, 2001? Uh, were you guys on good terms still at that time, or were you guys just tired of touring? Um, getting, I was getting personally tired of touring. Now I kind of drove that bus a little bit. I have to admit because my kids were getting to a certain age, they're young teens, and uh, I was feeling like I was missing out on a lot of their life, um, whether that, you know, whether it was the right decision or not. But, uh, yes, we were on good terms, and um, we also had, we didn't have a lot of debt, like some bands, you know, I'm very proud to say that we all, you know, we had paid off through our record sales, and, you know, and paid off all that. So we weren't, it wasn't like we were fighting over money or we were up to our next in debt. Oh, yeah. So we were able to sit down and talk rationally about things, and, uh, you know, so there you go. But it wasn't too long before we uh, started looking at getting together again. Yeah, totally. Now, um, you guys would uh, go back in 2008, and um, there's a vi- there's a couple of videos on your uh, YouTube page. You guys uh, played at the uh, Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia's uh, on ATV's New Year's Eve celebration, and uh, my mom, my mom and dad used to watch that all the time uh, growing up when I was a kid. Um, it used to be on yeah. SN and then on a uh, a plus uh, before it became CTV two and then um, it just all went through Toronto. Man, those times were just yeah. so great growing up as a kid. But um, you reformed in the fall of two thousand eight, and uh, you released anthology that year. Um, what was it like to get back together uh, after like you know seven years apart? Well, it felt great. Uh, it was just it was pretty easy to get back on the horse, really. You know. Everybody was uh, ready, and we put in a lot of uh, work over the years, you know, so it's funny, you know, how your muscle memory 
like you play something a thousand times, you know, after a while, it's, it doesn't take too long before you're back in there. Back in the groove, you know, amazingly so in, in many cases, you know, how quickly you can just sort of walk back into it. And not that it doesn't take a little warming up and practice, no longer. Just get to get her ahead of time and do some rehearsing and, you know, that's all. So, yeah, I remember that Halifax week was beginning. That was great. Uh, in a snowstorm, I mean, you couldn't pay, you know, you, you, I don't know, it cost you a million bucks to bring a fresh for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because seeing the videos, there was a snowstorm. Snow yeah. not too cold. Yeah. We played several outdoor games. I began to ask Ian uh, if he could find us a venue, perhaps, for New Year's Eve one year that had walls and a roof. But uh, <laughs> we played outdoors in Prince Edward Island. We played two or three of those, uh, uh, not all snowstorms, but two or three of those at Davis on Grand Parade in Halifax at New Year's Eve. So. Yeah, and... Uh, for sure, like, uh, and it's really those shows that, like, really uh, make uh, playing music uh, a lot of fun, too, because uh, you can get a nice sunny day, you get people just, uh, you know, enjoying the nice weather, but when everyone's, you know, just cuddle up together uh, in freezing cold temperatures and then you're playing your hearts out on stage, yeah. that's really the best moments of music well, come from, get, right? Right. I mean, you get the scattered tuning problem, let's, let's be frank. Uh, and we found the one temperature of uh, Scottish Bankland uh, seems to operate in, and that will be 18 below zero. So <laughs> that's just a little trivia. That's a bit of trivia information for the whole forest out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, of course, uh, you guys released a couple of subsequent albums uh, after that. You released uh, Heart, Head, Hands, Rock Steady. You then released Flying Colors in 2019. And then in 2020, of course, that's when uh, everything was shut down uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, you took that time to uh, remaster some old videos. Uh, one of the ones that I saw was Reel and Roll. So uh, why did you decide to take uh, that on, Dave? Well, I got into one thing that I did in COVID was up my skills in a couple of areas. I always wanted, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to do some video stuff. Um, but of course, you know, when I grew up, you didn't, you, it wasn't that accessible to have film cameras and stuff. And even if you did, it was, you know, a lot of maintenance and a lot of money. And now, of course, I mean, you know, everyone, you know, the average 14-year-old kid has as much gear as I do, probably. And, you know, it's like, you can, I, I learned how to do computerized video, for better or for worse. And that, that's how I spent my first winter there, uh, you know, 2021, uh, starting to do that. Because, of course, a lot of the gigs shut down. I, and, of course, I got to the age where, you know, I'm... I'm, you know, I'm always thinking now, so I'm at that age where my life was sort of getting a little more uh, living at home anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. So one time, well, I was fortunate, a lot more fortunate than a lot of other people who were lost, you know, many people and so on. But my life was quiet at that point anyway, you know? So in a way, it kind of worked out for me, and I really hate to say that, but... You know, if it was going to happen to me, if it happened 10 years before, it might be a different story. No. Yeah. But, you know, it was just the way I was living anyway. I was spending a lot of time at home. You know, I'd given up playing the bars downtown. And I was, you know. So um, I got into doing a lot of things, audio editing and uh, learning how to do that to, to get better at that. And so that's how I spent the last couple of years myself personally. I'm yeah. still writing and still, I never really stopped doing that. <laughs> I mean, once you get bit by that bug, how can you stop? 
Yeah, well, I've been bitten since, I don't know, maybe I was nine years old. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time ago. Oh, yeah, I've had, had that there. Uh, well, it's nice, you know, to know what you want to do when you get up in the morning. You exactly. Know? And you have to so right or wrong, you know. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. you guys uh, would release Sunrise uh, this past summer um, to uh, some great success, and you guys had a great tour here in Newfoundland and Labrador and across the Maritimes uh, in the fall. But uh, what was that recording process like for uh, for Sunrise? Because uh, you explained about it uh, earlier uh, on in our conversation here. But tell me a little bit more about that recording process for Sunrise. Well, you know, since it was really down to us, we, we didn't have a record company involved or anything. It was really just in at Brownsville, which, you know, we did have some funding and so on. Um, so we looked at doing another record. We said, how are we going to do this record? You know, who's going to produce it, et cetera. All the questions you started asking, you know, where are we going to record it? And, you know, my brother Jeff was over the becoming quite a, you know, a really good engineer. And he, in fact, uh, works downtown a lot doing sound engineering for various people, uh, as you probably know, in St. John's. And um, we saw, you know, we could do it. Uh, you know, I said, uh, we could produce it. Now, we had had quite a producing before. We were not as satisfied with that, but we said, well, this time. So I, I teach at the Milan Music Camp. I'm an instructor there. So one of my students was a lady that owned the golf course in North Scotia. The golf course was not open because of COVID, and she was trying to sell it. So there was a clubhouse there. And it was, it was October, so it was still relatively, winter was still relatively okay. So uh, she offered that. And uh, we just got the gear together, and Jeff uh, and I flew over, and uh, we got together and rehearsed, and went in, and I basically handled the, the logistics with help from Sayin and Joe and um, and Jeff did the technical stuff, and uh, you know, so Jeff and I co-produced it, I guess. Really, so yeah, and, uh, and and we got you know, and we had contributing writers. Brian contributed songs. Um, Joe came in with a, you know a couple of songs, and you know, so we we widened that base too, and instrumental games, and uh, so we got in there and just started kicking and got it done. You know. Awesome. And um, one of the songs that we're going to play right after this conversation is, of course, Love is All Right. And uh, that's a really great tune yeah. there. Uh, so uh, you guys ended up touring that album uh, this past fall throughout the Maritimes, and especially you stopped here in Newfoundland for a show or two. Um, what was it like to right. get out on the road again uh, with the band uh, after uh, two years of being in an emergency phase with the pandemic? <laughs> it was actually wonderful, and if I do say so, we played well. We have a strong show together. We're we're getting to the point now where we have so many songs that we can possibly really do them in an evening. I find people don't really want to sit through five hour shows these days, so it's like um, what we did I think put a, a good show together of older stuff, newer stuff, and we'll probably do the same show when we're out on tour this time. So you get some of the older things even from as far back as turn of the wheel right up through the some of the newer things and they use instrumentals that are people like wedding gift, memory walls, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you get stuff from Real and Roll, things from Living River. You know, so and we'll probably use it and the show felt good. The running order of the show felt good, so we'll probably stick pretty close to that this time again, you know. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
uh, you guys are going to find out um, what you guys are taking home that award for uh, Contemporary Roots Recording of the Year. And uh, thank you guys for correcting me on that because yeah. I wasn't sure uh, what you got, award you guys were nominated for. But, um, yeah. of course, uh, what is next for you guys? Uh, are you guys going to be up in uh, Halifax for uh, the East Coast Music Awards? And uh, what else are you doing uh, next, uh, over the next few months? Okay, well, we have, right after the ECMA there, uh, there's a short tour of the Maritimes. Uh, these dates are all in Nova Scotia, for starters. And uh, Ian is investigating some other festivals and so on. We're waiting to hear back and some other things. It should be July and August dates. And in September as well, so that's our next our next foray. But we've got a we've got a uh, five minute state book after the UCMAs in uh, in Nova in the various theaters. Uh, some of the ones that we did not play on the the small tour. That's awesome, Dave. Well, listen, um, I got to thank Ian for jumping on for the first bit of this interview. But Dave, um, congratulations to you and the band again on thirty. Uh, eight uh 33 years i should say my math's not even correct I guess. Yeah, yeah. Wow. but you guys have been at it for a long time yeah, right yeah we've been at it for a while but listen uh dave panting uh thank you so much for joining me on the musical connections podcast congratulations to you and the band on this uh east coast music award nomination best of luck in may and um best of luck with the rest of the group uh as you progress on to year uh 34 and onwards Okay, well, listen, thanks, Eric, and thanks for having us aboard this morning. Anytime, and I'll see you soon, I guess. There we have it. That was Ian McKinnon and Dave Panting of Rollins Cross. And, of course, uh, Ian McKinnon joined us for the first half of that conversation. Of course, uh, he had to get to Portugal and really enjoy the scenes there. I mean, when you come back to Canada, Ian, can you bring some of the sun with you, please? Some of the warm temperatures as well. Hopefully, uh, winter is... uh, just around the corner from, you know, being out the back door and spring will be right around the corner soon. Anyways, <laughs> enough about me complaining about the weather. Let's get to this great tune now from Rollins Cross. Love is all right. Here it is now on the Musical Connections podcast. <laughs> Alright 
Here it comes dancing in the sight Love is alright, that's what I say Always all around us in so many ways It can stand up in the darkness and keep on shining bright Love is alright do it for episode 15 of the musical connections podcast i've been your host zach snow thank you so much for joining me for another episode you can stream this on apple spotify and wherever you get your podcasts make sure to leave a comment and also you like and subscribe to the podcast it helps me out a lot and if you have any new music for newfound releases or if you want to be a guest in the podcast email me musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com New episodes drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time. Thank you all so much for connecting. Make sure to tune in to next week's episode of Musical Connections, as I'll be talking with composer Andrew Stantaland about his two ECMA nominations, both for classical music recordings of the year. We'll talk more about that next week. Until then, I've been your host of Musical Connections, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, thank you for connecting. Safe home.